Good morning. <laughs> so, before we dive in today, as Zoran shared, uh, all you ladies, Friday night, really important to connect. Men, we regather as a bison herd into the storm this Tuesday, 6 a.m. till 7 a.m. in the student building. I am ready. I've got a really clear dynamic path with how to lead us men into the storm in this season. If you've never been men, all you need to know is if you're a man, be there. No age restrictions whatsoever. We get every age there, 6 a.m. every Tuesday starting this week. Yes, it will still be dark. Yes, it will be cold, but not as cold as bison are used to in blizzards. It's okay. Are you a man or not? You can do it, guys. It'll be 75 next weekend. Come on now. But gathering Tuesday morning. All right? Good men? I don't hear many men in the room. That's a problem. I'm a man, but not at 6 a.m. in the morning. Come on. We're done by 7, so you can still get to your people and your places and your important things. But uh, it's really big, especially this year, guys. Really, really important. Um, all right. Last Sunday, I kicked off our word for the year. If you missed it, please go back and listen to it because you're going to hear it over and over and over and over. This series we're going into, it's really all about having a passion for the presence of the Lord in worship. It is really important. Hallelujah is going to be a really significant thing. So let me just remind some of you because you may have had good intentions last week. Yeah, I'm going to hallelujah in the morning and hallelujah in the evening and in the day. And maybe some of you did the whole right on the mirror thing. My wife did her handwriting super cool. So I printed the word hallelujah out on my mirror. And what I did is I put it at this height so that when I come in the morning and look in my mirror, I lift my gaze. And I lift to the word hallelujah and I hit that word. I hit it with my weaker hand that I normally raise my hand with. There's a neurobics there that actually is real and can have an effect. It's every single day. It's a night and then throughout the day I've set aside, I've created a hallelujah for this season playlist so that when I do get in the car, the car is telling me what I'm doing. It knows, it's saying, okay, Des, here you go. You may feel like this or this, but this is what we're going to do. And set that tone. This morning when I got up 4 a.m., I sit on one part of one couch that I never, ever sit on any other time ever except for Sunday mornings at 4 a.m. It's set aside. I'm there to prepare. Boom, headphones are in. Here we go. And I needed to wake up my soul with hallelujah and coffee. That's what I needed to get us ready. It makes a difference. I'm going to put truth first and my feelings follow it. Not my feelings and expect truth to follow. I'm going to make that dynamic step. So some of you are thinking, yeah, I started well and by Wednesday I forgot to hallelujah. The enemy does not want you doing this. The flesh doesn't want to do this. It seems a bit really, is it worth it? It seems a bit cheesy. Who's saying that to you? Who's saying that to you? When the whole horde and crowd and multitudes in heaven in Revelation 19 are declaring hallelujah, salvation and glory 
honour and power belong to our God. All of heaven's declaring it. Are you part of that kingdom or not? Hallelujah. This is why. And so I want you to press in, really press in. I'm not even started. What am I doing? Here we go. Now, this series, this is where we're going to go. In fact, you know what? I don't care. Today, even get used to this. When you came here this morning, why did you come? I know some of you don't want to be here. I'm not apologizing for that. Good for you, friend who brought you. But the reality is, here we are. Hallelujah is to me because it means praise you, the Lord. So praise the Lord, Des, is what hallelujah. When I say hallelujah, it's telling me what to do. It's telling me to praise the Lord. Hallelujah is telling those alongside me. I'm speaking to someone. When I say hallelujah, I'm telling you, praise the Lord. And what do I do? Then I praise the Lord. And it tells the enemy, this is who I belong to and this is who I'm praising. This is who I follow. It is so powerful. And so right now, in a really cool way, without any eye contact whatsoever, I want you to give the people next to you an elbow dig and just go hallelujah. hallelujah. Wake them up. Hallelujah. 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 All right. Good. Here we go. All right. If your ribs are now broken, you can have prayer later on. We're all good. It may sound a little bit weird. No. You're here for the, this is where you're going to hear it, the importance of we. The importance of together, the importance of the gathering in the house of the Lord. It's really critical. So we're going to journey through Psalm 84, verse by verse, throughout this season. We're going to do verse 1 and 2 today. So you always know where we are. It's a stunning psalm, but the context of it is a journey. It's a psalm of declaration because the psalmist with his people cannot wait to be in the house of God. They're going to Jerusalem to be in his presence. Now, it's different for us now, and I'll get to it today, but that's the posture. And we need to find out why is he so, so on fire? This consumer or consumed series is about this. When you gather and are part of the church, is it for what you can get or is it who you are? If you are a consumer, it's all about receiving. Are you sitting by the fire to get its benefits or are you causing the fire to be hotter? Are you consumed by it, therefore you bring that fire or is it all about I want all the benefits of the fire? And all too often as church with our consumer culture, we've become, well, I need to go and I need and I need and I need. Now, don't get me wrong. There are things you do need and come into the house of the Lord. The Lord will bless you. There are things you do need in certain seasons, but we need to move from being consumers to being consumed. Because the reality is the more of us who are consumed, the more of us who live out that fire, the greater the fire can have impact on those around us. But if it's all about just those getting from the fire and not causing the fire to go stronger, we have a problem. But here we go. Consumer or consume. Psalm 69 and verse 9 says this, zeal for your house consumes me. 
The psalmist said, this is what consumes him, a zeal for the house of God and a passion. Why? Because of his presence. Why? Because of his goodness and his majesty and his strength and his protection and his forgiveness and his redemption and his restoration all in his house. And we are his house now in his people. So, so important. That psalm was quoted by the disciples when they saw Jesus overturn the tables in the temple. When Jesus saw that the temple, the house of God had become just a marketplace, just full of consumers, he was not at all happy. He kicked off, literally. And as a result, the disciples were going, whoa. They were reminded, zeal for your house consumes me. They saw Jesus with a passion for the house of the Lord. And so... I think it's time for us to lean into that. Psalm 84, verse 1 and 2. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. That word lovely, how beautiful, inspiring, full of grandeur and majesty. We just think, oh, how lovely. Oh, there's something compelling and magnetic and I want to be there. The best of the best. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. So here's the tone that's being set at the top of Psalm 84, and you'll see the journey we go on. Oh, by the way, we'll end this journey with our first baptisms of 2024. The end of February is when we'll land with finishing this series. The last Sunday in February will be our baptism Sunday, and you'll hear me turn up the heat for that. And so that's what, and there's something so, I think, such a perfect timing to all of that. So, Let's just get, the psalmist has got this thing for the house of the Lord and he's like, oh. Well, you hear it in Psalm 27.4. I quoted this on Monday at We Pray, which was beautiful, wasn't it? Those of us who are here on Monday night, wow. First Monday of the month, next one's coming up in February. So special. It says Psalm 27.4, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Oh, to gaze upon his, the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. It's just this, ah. Is that how you feel about gathering with God's people? I want to dwell with God's people in the house. Why? Because he's there to gaze upon his beauty. That's why we praise beautiful. You had time and space, didn't you? Just to gaze and to pause because we're, we're so go, go, go and next thing and next thing and to seek him. It's powerful. It's precious. Now, here's the power for us. This is Old Testament. Now, Jesus comes, lives, dies, pays for our sin. He's atoning sacrifice. He is risen, sends his Holy Spirit. The temple curtain has been torn in through. Access to the very presence of God. He's no longer confined to his temple, but he is active and present all around. And he breathes in. Ephesians 2 describes God's dwelling place this way. Because you're in it. Listen, you're in it. 
Verse 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in him. The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Pause, this language of in him, the whole building is being joined together. That's why unity matters. It's being joined together, all different shapes and parts and pieces. It's being joined together. That's why I will kick hard against anything that is disunifying. There's a power in it. Jesus prayed for it. Being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. We join together in his body. We are rising together to become a holy temple. We are. This brick and mortar building is a blessing for where we get to gather. But where we gather, we are rising together to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him... You too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Get your head around that. What? We, together, I'll make it clear, you've heard me say it before. If somebody says they can be a Christian and not planted in the house of the Lord, they are wrong. I'm just going to say it. Can they believe in Jesus, receive his salvation? Yes, but as a fully devoted follower of Jesus, it is me, I am joined together. I am part of his body, part of his family, part of his bride. I gather with them. For me to say I don't need them is wrong, wrong. I I know it's wrong, it seems a bit aggressive, but I want you to reach out to the brother or sister who just thinks, yeah, but the church hurt me. Welcome to families. But we are the bride of Christ. And that's why I get really angry when you start calling other churches bad. Don't call his bride ugly. They may have a different expression that you don't agree with right now, but the scripture says it, built on his foundation. In him, we built together to become a dwelling in which he lives by his spirit. That's where we are and who we are. There's power. Listen, don't miss a Sunday unnecessarily. Some of you don't take the Ely, oh, I don't feel so good today, I'll just stay home. Now, if you're sick, stay away. But some of you are just a little bit, come on. On the same passion. Get to the house of the Lord with his people. Oh, moving on. Now, that's just verse one. How lovely is your dwelling place? It's his passion for it. And that's who we are now. I want to be consumed by that. Now, verse two is loud. Verse two is loud. Verse two, it gets loud. Verse two, the psalmist turns the volume up. It gets loud. The heart starts to come out. And then he says this, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Here's this expression. The yearning is a longing, a deep longing and desperation, even faints, so desperate to the point of passing out. Now come with me. 
Raise your hands if you've ever been doing a physical workout and as part of that physical workout, you've got to the point of such exhaustion, you can't, you're just, I'm gone. Who's ever been to the point of extreme exhaustion? We're talking your heart rate, you didn't think it could go any higher. Like, there's max heart rate and you discover there's a max max heart rate. Or maybe you were doing a rep and you, I'm gonna die! Who's ever been to that point? Raise your hands if you've experienced, experienced a near-death experience because you were trying so hard. Raise your hands, raise your hands. These are real people. These are real people right here. Real people. Can I just tell you all? Go there again tomorrow and there's more. You just think, I can't go any further. The mind's stronger than the body. There's something about this text that is related to that. My soul yearns, even faints, like it's at the point of, I can't go any stronger, like desperate. It's a desperate, desperate longing, yearning for the courts of the Lord. That's where the people are hanging out. I just wanna be there because it's so transformative. And then he says, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Some translations say, my heart and my flesh sing aloud for the living God. Some say, sing for joy to the living God. Cry out for joy, cry in song for the joy. When you really get into it all, that root meaning of that word, when you've seen a very, very, very small child who can't articulate what they really feel and they cry so much that they puke, that's the kind of crying we're talking here. Like desperate, 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 uncontrollable. Like crying out, sing loud, sing for joy. My heart and my flesh cry out. Like, oh, hallelujah, really? Oh, this is, this is the posture. This is not nice little neat psalm. There's something so consuming about it. And wow, I mean, I want to hang out with this guy. He's just like, yes, yes. It's a loud cry. So how, how, how's, how's that going for you? How, how's that going for you? And when no one's looking, how's that going for you? In a room, in the shower, in the car, where, where is it? Are you getting this heart out? like crying aloud, or have you just bought into the nice, tame, civilized, follow Jesus? Nice and civilized, and oh yes, but I'm, I'm orderly. Break out, cry aloud, a desperation. Cry aloud with a sense of desperation. It's just, just, just lives of consumer or consumed to me. Now, don't get me wrong. You can cry aloud to the Lord for things. So the consumption is still there. You can cry out for help. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He wants you to cry out. The Lord hears the cries of his people. Absolutely. The Lord blesses those who mourn. The Lord, he really leans in. Yes, yes, yes. But you're crying out for him. Because this is a really important thing, because what is the psalmist crying out for? He's not crying out for the building. 
He's not crying out for the incense temple. He's not crying out for the beauty of the building. He's not crying out for anything, but it says what he's crying out for. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. That priority, the enemy allows us to subtly shift things. That means, and I'm going to say it again, Men, Tuesday morning's important. Women, Friday's important. Your small group's important. Serving's important. Going to grief shares, important. These are all beneficial things. Serving our community with Second Sunday is important. Having a really effective discipleship program for every single age, for our children, important. For our middle schoolers, high schoolers, for those in college, for those who are not yet married, getting married. All these things are important, but they are not primary. They're not primary. Primary is crying out for the living God first. Living God first. This is the house of the Lord and we are to worship Him first. Maybe you came here this morning thinking, oh, the message matters. Worship's more important. Way more important than my preaching. In the presence of the Lord because the Word says so. We come here to worship with his people. We come with a house of prayer and a house of praise and giving him all of praise is the living God first then. Jesus said it, didn't he? He got all these worries in life. I get it, I'm here for you. Don't worry about stuff, I'm here for you. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things. First, first. And so I want to encourage you this year. That's why hallelujah is important. Yeah, this has been a hard day, but hallelujah. I'm going to praise God first. That priority is hard in his flesh. Cry out for the living God. So I want to remind you, yes, we will serve one another and nurture one another and care for one another because the scriptures say so. But if that's all we do and we're not here first and foremost to worship the living God, then we're just a self-help program but we come for the living God and we set ourselves on fire for him and it's that fire that is then within us that causes us to love him and love others and it flows from there. It flows from there. Now, with all of this in mind, I was dwelling on this this week and when you're in something, I'm gonna get into different worship and postures of worship as this season goes on and it is a huge passion of mine. Huge, huge passion of mine. But one of the things that, because of that, I've just got, I've probably got a large amount of stuff in my head that has just stuck over the years. Uh, one of which is many quotes from Charles Spurgeon. So Spurgeon's 19th century, Spurgeon, uh, 1854, became the pastor of what then became the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. Incredible. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. You can look at there's all kinds of things about Spurgeon's life that's very unorthodox and how he went about things. What a man. And he died in 1892, but unbelievable things went highs and extreme lows. He encountered extreme depression. I'll get into one of his other stories at another point. It's not all about, oh, life was great for him. There was struggle beyond what I would like at times. But Charles Spurgeon, what a guy. And I've got Spurgeon stuff written down. And Spurgeon describes the heart of the psalmist in Psalm 84 with this quote. This is, what, this is how he sees the psalmist, with, especially with that verse 2. This is how he sees him. The middle of the quote will be on screen, but I'll give you the, the bookends of it. 
Spurgeon says, there was no superstition with his love. He loved the house of God because he loved the God of the house. His heart and flesh cried out, not for the altar or the incense, but for his God. Sounds simple, but it's profound. I love the church because I love God. The local church is the hope of the world because it is his plan A for the mission and redemption of the world because we are the body of Christ and he doesn't have a plan B. So passionate, it's what I love. And I'll just say it again, you next gen people, being here and part of who we are every generation is kingdom making and earth shaking. It's not just find your program, it's we. Well, I wanna go somewhere where there's just a good thing for me here or a good thing for me. Yeah, but what about we? Planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish, the scriptures say. So passionate for that. And that Spurgeon quote gets this so much for me. What he's saying is, the psalmist wasn't passionate for the things the church does or for the things the church has or for the things the church has to look at and bring us. The psalmist says he, Spurgeon says, the psalmist was passionate for the God of the house. First, first. And I think some of us just need to go there again and go him first, him first. The second one that came to mind, it was random and it came to mind and I went, whoa, this guy's still alive. He's also a pastor of another significant church. But when this book came out and I read this book a few years after it came out, it came out in 1997. Some of you younger guys are thinking that's still a long time ago, that's before I was born. Okay. But 1997, this book came out. Early 2000s, I read it. I read it again about a decade later. And there's something in. Now, in this whole book, the page that is now kind of a famous page is page 23. Page 23 of this book is a significant quote in there that resonated with me when I read it before I knew page 23 was famous. But my page 23 on my copy, it's like highlighted and circled and dates next to it and all kinds. The book's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by Jim Cimbala. And Jim Cimbala became the pastor of not the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, but the Brooklyn Tabernacle. In Brooklyn, but what you hear is the story of behind and a why, of the heart of this man and his wife and where they were. Here's the famous quote, but I'm going to read the paragraph straight after it as well. The quote says this, I despaired of the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God show himself mightily on our behalf. You think, oh, no, 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 no. We're about to step into something and it's lifeless. And he just had this moment of enough is enough. And then he goes on in the book with this paragraph. And this is what awakened my soul every time I've read it. I'm going to lean in a little bit today. It says this, one day I told the Lord that I would rather die than merely tread water throughout my, my ministry career. 
Always preaching about the power of the word and the spirit, but never seeing it. I abhorred the thought of just having more church services. I hungered for God to break through in our lives and ministry. I'm just going to tell you, I am done with church as normal. I abhor the thought that we are here in January 25, just as we are right now. That is disobedience if that's where we end up. If we find ourselves personally and collectively and the power of the Lord is experienced at the level that we have it right now, something's wrong. And similar and his wife got in there and just went, something's not right. But he had a holy discontent that just said, and, I, and there's a result of which it became known. What is my page 23 vision? What is my moment that says, I despair of the thought that my life might slip by without seeing God move and people seeing God move in and through me? Like, are some of you want to join that mission? Or are you just along for the ride? Is it just, yeah, I'll just consume what other people are doing? But we need more people with a pace 23 vision. More people with a vision for the house of the Lord that when you come and you bring your people, there is transformation in the house, forgiveness in the house, restoration in the house, because it's God's house and He is here. The living God is here. This is where He is and He dwells in the midst of appraising people. I need to move on. I'm not even partway through verse two. Here we go. I was short at nine o'clock. Now I know why. Got a bit more in the tank for you guys. Maybe they're more holy. I don't know. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out. Some say, sing out. Sing out. There is something very divinely connected to corporate worship and declaring God's name in song that is there. The psalmist says it. For the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. In other words, it says the Lord is enthroned with appraising people. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you were to take that literal translation into Japanese and Japanese into English, it says this phrase. When God's people sing, he brings a big chair and sits there. dwells in the midst of his praising people. His power and his presence, it's like it's very real, very, and, and that, so even in your own heart and soul, some of you this year, there's an unlocking of your praise and worship to in a help of you encountering his presence and especially more so with one another. I know it's true, I've encountered it, but I want more. I want more. But I know it's true. I've seen it, that's why I love that song, I've witnessed it. So, do you wanna be a consumer in 2024? And the times where you will benefit from consuming, or is that your identity, or do you wanna be consumed? 
Because for you to move from just somebody sitting by the fire to being somebody who enables the fire to be even stronger and living in your life, it's gonna take change. Gonna, that's why hallelujah is a habit-forming thing. It comes from being something that you say to something who you are. I said it last week. I don't wanna be a man who worships. I wanna be a man of worship. I don't wanna be a man who praises. I wanna be a man of praise to be my identity. So hallelujah is gonna activate me. I talked about it before. In your brain, you have this thing called the reticular activating system. Complicated name, but when you've decided something, you see it everywhere. So when you wanna buy that new car that that's color, you see it everywhere. And before you never saw it. When all of a sudden, when you don't wanna eat donuts, you see every donut shop in the world and you smell them even though you're not even able to smell them, something in your reticular activating system because it's at the forefront of your mind. So if hallelujah is at the forefront of my mind, I see it everywhere, hear it everywhere, and I can live it everywhere, but it's gonna take a while for me to bring that to the forefront of my mind. I've gotta keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. I'm gonna go, that is true, and my feelings can follow it. That's what I need to do. And see, it's a determination. There is a habit change. My wife put a quote on her Instagram this week. So genius. And it says this. She said, if your habits don't change, you won't have a new year. You'll just have another year. Some of you are, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just, oh, hallelujah. One time, all good, you know. Here we go. No, there's a, it's a, there is a habit to it. There's a consistent this way, this way. It's a whole life change. It's not just a decision. That means for some of you, yes, what's it gonna take? Set the alarm a little early, but it's already early. Come on now. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. 15 minutes earlier? Go to bed 15 minutes earlier if that's what it takes. What's it gonna take? Do you really want to live a life consumed with the very power and presence of God, not just for you, but for the world around us? Do you wanna live like we need it? We need it. I need it, you need it, we need it. What's it gonna take to form that habit? We're creatures of comfort. We're prone to it. We naturally go there, but it's like, no. I know, this is what I seek. So what's it gonna take? And you, you won't be able to do it on your own. You need other people alongside you. You need to almost have a daily text of hallelujah to two more people, telling them to praise the Lord, reminding them, oh yeah, whatever it's gonna take. Like I say, I've got a sign on my mirror and it's this high up. Lift your gaze, come on now. Aesthetically, the bathroom's not as tidy anymore. But all of a sudden, that mirror's become a place of praise. And it ain't praising me, because it looks terrible in the morning. How, what's it gonna, come on now, what's it gonna take? Do you really want this? The power of hallelujah. I said this last week, and the phrase can't get away from me. I think it's time to ignite the ordinary. And it's that image of Moses going about his ordinary life and an ordinary bush gets ignited. I'm like, maybe it's just in my ordinary. I just need to hallelujah in my ordinary. Okay, Lord, set it on fire. 
Set it on fire. I need you, Lord. Set me on fire. Set it on fire. And so today, you need to be reminded of this. What is this on fire? His heart and his flesh cried out for the living God. Cry out for the living God. Do you hear that? The living God. Cry out for the living God. And he, the living God, said, the Holy Spirit, I'm sending him. He's here. It's like a fire. The Holy Spirit's presence. Will you give him permission to rule and to reign and to ignite and to direct and to counsel and to correct and encourage and reigning in you? And constantly, it's a daily thing. When the scriptures say, be filled with the Spirit, it really is be being filled because we leak. Be being filled. It's a daily, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me, set me on fire, fill me. And some of you, some days go, I don't want to be filled. Or some of you feel like you don't deserve to be filled. That's the enemy telling you that. And so the very presence of the Lord in this house this year, oh, that it's just going to take some more of us, some more of us consumed by the Lord. What a good contagion that could be. Consumed for the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Des. Hallelujah, my friends. And I praise the Lord. And we declare to the enemy, he is defeated. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're gonna encourage one another by praising the Lord. We're gonna celebrate with one another by praising the Lord in the good seasons, in the hard seasons. We're going to love one another by loving the Lord, hallelujah. That's the power in this. And, and, and that's why I can say it, you should never be leaving the same way you arrived. And each day more, I'll lean into you as weird as you might think it is. It's the enemy telling you it's weird. But hallelujah. Make that the anthem of everything that you do. Don't miss a Sunday. Don't miss a Sunday. The average American who's committed attends church 1.8 Sundays a month. How they got that number. They did the math. That's committed. Oh, I went last week, I'm good this week. Oh, okay. Okay. How lovely is his dwelling place. Oh, Lord Almighty. My soul my, oh, yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. Yeah, there's flawed, broken people in here. Welcome. There's hypocrites in here. Welcome. There's room for more of us. Welcome. But we're here for the living God. And I want my heart and my flesh to cry out. So this morning, this is how we're going to do this in our time of worship. Prayer partners, leaders, we're going to do something a bit different for two reasons. Number one, if you need prayer, prayer partners and elders will be to this side of this aisle. And there'll be some, there'll be some lights, you won't be in the dark. And that side of this aisle. So if you're coming out this side, take a right towards one of our prayer partners. They'll be all the way over there. 
Coming down this side, take a left. Prayer partner down there. We're just keeping this a little bit open because for some of you I'm aware you may just want to surrender and kneel down. That's just maybe what you want to do. Some of you front rowers, you deserve the front row. You're my favorite people. You may want to bust out a few moves. You've got more room to do so. But that's here and we can focus here, but prayer will be there. And it's better for your sound to be heard in prayer over here. There's a practical, but here's a reality. For some of you, yes, we're relatively at the start of the year. It's all in time. All in with Jesus time. Maybe you've never gone all in. Maybe you've never fully said, yeah, I, my identity as a follower of Jesus. I want to be a child of God because of what he has done for me. His death and his resurrection. He paid the supreme sacrifice for my sin so I can be forgiven and restored and redeemed and receive salvation. But my identity is a child of God, not a sinner. And I wonder, so some of you, it's an all in on that. So if you want to receive and commit to following Jesus, come out to a prayer partner. Some of you, you've, you've gone cold. So this image of light the fire again is your prayer. I need Jesus to light the fire again. Some of you want Jesus to light the fire again, but there's so much broken stuff right in front of you that you're struggling to get through. Come for prayer. Let's break through. Let's break through. Let's declare hallelujah over that. Come for prayer. We're here for one another in that. We're a house of prayer and a house of praise. So every week it's what we do. It's what we do. Okay? So let's start by standing. I'm going to pray. Let's stand. Invite prayer partners, leaders to come forward. Move to my right or move to my left. Anywhere along here and be available. It's not a huge extended time of praise today, but there's just a moment. And I'll tell you, the song we're going to sing is, is a relatively old one. But for some of you, you can say a statement, yeah, God's love is never ending. It's never failing. But some of you think, but I think it is for me. I think it is for me. Maybe I've just let him down too many times. I'm not so sure we have to break through in that. His love never fails. Never gives up. Never runs out on us. Never runs out on us. It's such an anthemic declaration. And as you do it, in the middle of it, add your own hallelujah. The word won't be on screen, but it's going to come from your soul. Let's pray together. Let's pray. I'm going to invite you to lift the weak hand. Lift the weak hand. Lift the weak hand. Some of you are like, wow, I'm raising my hands in church. Yeah, and you're not going to die. Raise your hand. Lift your weak hand. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. King Jesus, we now, we start by saying, oh, oh, that we would have the same passion as what we just read in those Psalms today. So your word says this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. O Lord, may that be so experienced in my life. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out, sing aloud for the living God. So Lord, that's what we do right now. Our heart and our flesh, we wanna cry out, sing aloud, for the living God, first and foremost. I am a child of the King. I've been born at a price. Jesus be enthroned in our praises. We thank you. We welcome you.
as you dwell with your praising people. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's lift our voices. Come out for prayer, guys. Come out left and right. Let's go.